It's good to be here. We didn't get a chance last week because lots of visitors to say we're very pleased to be here. Thank you for your kindness towards us in many ways. I'm up to here in coffee at the moment. I never played. Everybody drinks coffee. They go and buy it all day. Uh, I'm I, in a happy baker. I've got, I think I've got a seat that's got my name on it now. So, but it's also good to see the progress in the church. I, th- I said to Joe last week, you could have taken 200 people out and it was still twice as big as when I first came. So God is amongst us, and there's great things ahead. So it's exciting days, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? It's exciting days. And uh, so it's good. good. Thank you for your, say, your kindness towards us. I'm already putting on weight. I always put on weight when I'm in Canada. And uh, it's a very bad place to be. Can we turn to the Song of Solomon, please? The Song of Solomon, uh, Chapter 5. Now, you should bring Bibles. It is the modern thing to throw it up on the screen, but uh, it's good to bring a Bible because if you bring a Bible, you can learn your way around it when the preacher t- takes to places you're not used to going. I know it's at home now, they throw it up. You should bring a Bible. I'm schooling you now, and I? So I'm old school, and I? I like a. I learned my way around the Bible by having to find where the preacher was going. It's Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 2. I sleep, but my heart is awake. Listen, my lovers, knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my thoughtless one. My head is dreamt with the dew. My hair is uh, dampness of the night. I've taken off my robe. Shall I put it on again? And I've washed my feet. Must I soil them again? My lover thrust his hand through the latching openings. Sorry, my, my lover thrust his hand through the latter openings. My heart began to pound for him. I rose, open for my lover. My hands dripped with myrrh, and my, think, with my fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the lock. I opened to my lover, but my lover had left. He'd gone. My heart sunk as he departed. I looked for him, but did not find him. I called for him, but he did not answer. The watchmen of the ward found me. They made their rounds in the city. They beat me. They bruised me. They took my cloak. Those watchmen of the walls, O daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, if you find my lover, what will you tell him? Tell him I'm faint with love. The, there are books in the Bible uh, that uh, don't need to have a commentary, and Song of Solomon is one of them. You, you see them in the bookshop, some uh, uh, commentaries on the... It's a, it's, a, it's a poem. It's a love song. And you don't, not, you don't need great commentaries to understand. You need just to enjoy it. If you go to Romans... It's, it's aimed at reaching your heart and your life through your brain. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, accessing the grace where we stand, boom, point after point, argues it through to reach from your, through your mind into your emotions and your heart. The Song of Solomon comes the other way. It comes to your heart. It comes straight in. Now, you can uh, decide what you believe. Some say it's uh, Solomon and one of his wives. Some say it can be interpreted as Christ and the church. I want to interpret it this morning as Christ and the church. And uh, let me put that down there. And we, we start with that phrase, I sleep, but my heart is awake. I sleep, but my heart is awake. The Christian is supposed to be awake and alive in living, unbroken fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ. You've been called in Corinthians into fellowship, into relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Eternal life is to know Jesus, is to know him. Now, this is eternal life. You may know the only true God and Jesus Christ who you have sent. 
So Christianity is not to go to, necessarily going to church or not necessarily reading your Bible. They're all, they're all part of it. And all those sort of things, evangelism, helping the poor, it's to know Jesus. And we've turned it into religion. That's why we can't compete with the other religions because we've turned it into the same thing of rules and regulations and systems and organizations and all this. That's not first of all. Christianity is to know Jesus. Let me give you a phrase that John Piper uses. It's his mentor, really. God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. I think that's lovely. Are you satisfied in Jesus? Are you enjoying fellowship with him? Are you delighting in him? Faith embraces Christ again, John Piper, whatever way the scriptures hold him out to poor sinners. Embracing him is to love him. Somebody said to me in the foyer that's up there about abiding in Christ. And I said to that person, how do you abide in Christ? To abide in Christ is to love him. We're called into that sort of relationship. And we turn it into cold, religion, systems, works, whatever it is, and we bring it down. She says here, I'm asleep, but my heart is awake. It's a strange thing to say. I think many of us this morning are distracted. Like Martha, we're too busy doing. We're too busy uh, preparing a meal, rushing around, distracted. Not like Mary, who sat at his feet. I I led a church for years. The times people came to me and said, and got all uptight about something they was doing. I always said, if it's making you unhappy, stop doing it. You're here, first of all, to enjoy Jesus. Where are you this morning? Where are you this morning? Are you caught up in the preparation, the organization, the rush of life? Or are you just cold, drowsy, out of fellowship with him? Like Peter, you're far away from him. You can be far away and be in church. I was like that for many years, sitting in church, and I was far away from him. Worrying, fretful, unhappy. Like Peter, well away from him. The root of our problem is our distance from Jesus. Away from Jesus, away from joy, away from peace, away from happiness. That's our problem. We worry, we have no peace. Why? Because we're supposed to walk with him and know him with us. No sun, no flowers, a bit like November can be sometimes in England. You know, dreary and dull. Hearts are cold and faint. Like the church in, in Revelation where he says to that church, which is so busy, it can test apostles, it's persevering, it's doing all sorts of things. He said, you first, you've left your first love. Where's the beat in your heart? Where's the joy that used to be there? I'm getting rather older now, you know. But it is, I, I've got that area where, it's, you know, when you're young and you fall in love, it's, you know, you, it's, I don't, do you remember? Your heart beats, your whole life transformed and changes. And you think, then you get older, it calms down. And I began to think, well, perhaps that's when you're young, it's, it's different. And then I got grandchildren, and suddenly it lit up again. You know, how can this little child suddenly fill you with joy and delight? Little misty with a runny nose, you know, rushing out. Suddenly there's a new urge and joy. Have you lost the joy of your first love? Have you become sick and cold? You need a doctor this morning. You need Jesus. You don't need other things. You don't need the latest book that's come out or the conference. You don't need to rush off somewhere. You need to find Jesus again that thrilled you and delighted you. 
Your affections have become cool. You've now begun to neglect your duty. You're taking your ease. You don't believe quite as firmly as you used to. You don't love as intently as you used to. And your serving service has become sloppy and slow. Over that, that church in Ephesus, in, sorry, the church of Ephesus in Revelation, he says to them, you've lost your first love. He talks about their hard work, their perseverance, how they could test apostles, their endurance. They did not grow weary, but he said, you've lost your first love. And when you've lost your first love, you've lost it all. You've lost everything when you've lost your joy in our Lord Jesus Christ. In a marriage, you can say, this is gone, this is gone, this is, this is good, this is, I've got a good house, good God, good job, good, good this, but my, and me and my wife, we don't have joy together any longer. We don't enjoy each other. Then it's all gone. However big your house is, however nice your car is, whatever your ambitions is or your hopes, if, you're, if your joy in your relationship with your wife is gone, it's all gone. This church in Revelation said, you've lost your first love. You know, we sung this morning, come away. You, uh, we were singing this morning, and joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that real for you this morning? Or it's just songs that we sing and we go home to our dreariness? You've tasted of the heavenly gift. You've shared of the Holy Spirit. You've tasted the great word of God and the powers of the age have come. But now you are asleep. Full of excuses. Your picture is slumber, sloth, and self-indulgence. He says, the original says, I'm sleeping, but my heart is waking. It's a strange thing to say. I'm asleep, but my heart is waking. Can you be both? Yes, you can. Let me give you an I couldn't. I'm trying to find an example. I found one that suits me. This is it. I'm in bed on Saturday morning. It didn't happen to me yesterday. I'll tell you that now. I'm in bed. I'm asleep. And up, from the, up the stairs comes the smell of bacon being cooked in the kitchen. I sleep, but my heart wakes. I can smell the bacon. It was, it was a gruel yesterday. She'd gone off to have a meal with somebody else. <laughs> Never mind. You know, you, you're asleep, but your heart wakes. You're asleep, but you're not quite asleep. You're not content to be asleep. The true believer is never satisfied with slumber. He knows he's half asleep, but he's never satisfied. You're never satisfied. Your heart is, yeah, your true self is awake, even though you know you're half asleep, but your affections are awake. Can I stir you this morning? Can I stir you? Because Jesus comes knocking. He says, my lover was knocking. My lover spoke and said, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. And, and the cooking of doves. Open to me, my sister. Open, my darling. My dove. My flawless one. Jesus comes knocking on our lives. Sometimes in the church service. Sometimes at other places during the week. She knew her husband's voice. If you're uh, one of Jesus's, he says, my sheep hear my voice. That you are a Christian is that you recognize that voice when it comes to you. Half asleep and Jesus is knocking. He's knocking on our hearts and our lives to have fellowship with us. He wants to have fellowship. He wants to enjoy us. He comes knocking this morning. I hope this sermon will knock on some of you this morning. I hope it will knock. You're asleep. Come on. Open up, open up, you know, to enjoy his presence. I hope the word of God as it's read to you, or you read it yourself, every promise is a knock. Every threat in the Bible is a knock. 
providence the, on your life, the pressures that come in your life, is a knock. Every blessing that comes to you is a knock. A gentle knock. Come on, spend time, much time with me. Come on, it's to enjoy Jesus. I, you talk to people and you think, they're not enjoying it. I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. Mm. Rubbish. I read the Bible because it gives me about Jesus. I'm not going through some task. You know, I'm, you know, all sorts of things. And Jesus says to me, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Afflictions, sickness, you can't make your way, money's going bad, jobs going bad. Is that Jesus knocking? I know there are other reasons that these things happen. But sometimes it's Jesus knocking on your door. Come on, I, you were born again to have fellowship with the living God. And if you've missed that, you've missed everything. You've missed the whole lot. He comes knocking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Will you open to me? Will you open? Come with me, my sister, my darling. My, come with me, my sister, my Come into the secret place. Come and enjoy times of me. If you sometimes have known those times when your heart is filled with joy, it's really practically burst. If you've been enjoying God, you've delighted in him. He's broken in upon you and you've opened the door and you've had times when it's wonderful. But now you're half asleep. There's an old hymn that says this, take time to be holy. Speak off with thy Lord. Spend much time in secret with Jesus alone. For by looking to Jesus, like him you shall be, forgetting in nothing his blessing to seek. For looking to Jesus, like him you shall be. It's in his presence. It's in his presence that we're changed from one degree of glory to another. That's what we're told in Corinthians. Let me read the verse. And uh, as a... We with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one glory glory to another. I was with a couple this week. We were having a uh, meeting with them. I've known them of the years I've been coming. And I think they were just married when I got here. I thought, they are getting very much like each other. You know, I've got to be careful what I say. I don't want to upset anybody. But... You know, people have their little oddities. I haven't got any oddities at all, but he's got a few little oddities. I now notice that she's similar. You know, they say that you get like your dog or your dog gets like you. Listen, this is even more wonderful. When you behold Jesus' glory, you are transformed. It begins to change and alter you. We're called into a relationship that will change us and alter us. Abide in me, I in you, and it will begin to change and transform you. We're called into a relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. It's to abide in me, I in you. That means much fruit. It means cleansing. It means answers to prayer. You give glory to the Father in doing that and you, you, you will be fruitful. Fruitful isn't, doesn't come out of a Bible uh, course. It doesn't come out of going to church. It comes out of a relationship with Jesus because he supplies the life to you. I'm the vine. You are the branches. Yeah, because we want to do Bible courses. Because we want to understand about Jesus. All that's good. But without a relationship, there will be no fruit. Fruit comes out of a relationship with Jesus. As, as a married couple, when they come together, it's not very long when they start producing babies. Don't they? When you, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you begin to bear fruit. It's in his presence that we're changed from one degree of glory. He comes not with harsh words. He doesn't come with harsh words. He comes with lovely words. He says, my sister, my darling, my lover, 
That's what he says to you this morning. He says to you, my sister, my darling, my lover, my flawless one. Words of love, words of passion. If you can imagine a couple, when they, you know, they've got a bit of strain and they come back together, come on, my love, my darling, let's spend time together. Let's enjoy each other. That's what he says to you this morning. You know, when he restores Peter, I think that's lovely. If, if I'd been Peter, if I'd have been Christ, when I got resurrected, I'd have forgotten about Peter. But he doesn't, he calls him. Because he'd rejected him three times. And he asked him, do you love me? And Peter says, you know I love you. And we can say that. But we can still be far away. Yeah, he did love him. Right? But if we love him, we should desire his presence. If you love someone, you desire to be with them. Can you remember, Kevin, when you were first, it probably wasn't this young lady, when you were first caught by some young lady, did your heart beat it? You want to be there all the time. You want to be with her. You want to be there all the time. You bent your whole time to how your whole life went because I want to be with this person. He comes to you this morning and says, come on, my sister, my darling, my love, my father. Let's enjoy time together. How miserable are the days that we don't spend with him. No prayer. No reading of the word. No rejoicing. No embracing. We make excuses, just like she does. She makes excuses. You know, she starts to make excuses. When God says to her, come on, come away. When our lover says, come on, let's have some private time. Let's enjoy each other. She starts to make excuses. Come on, arrive. He comes to you and says, come on, come and spend time. Come in the other room and get your Bible. Let's sit and talk together. Get a, get a worship song. Let's start singing it together. You know, when I am feeling, well, when I'm not feeling, when I'm, I like to, um, sometimes, just to, to sing. Now, if you've heard me sing, it's awful. But I love, on my own sometimes, to let you sing those songs. You know, you know Jesus, name above all names, glorious Saviour. You know, name above all names. And we begin, come and have a time. Come and let's enjoy each other. And we begin to make, begin to make excuses, don't we? There's always an excuse. The sluggard says, there's a lion in the road. The sluggard says, it's all blocked with thorns. This is all from Proverbs. The pro- sluggard craves and gets nothing. The diligent are amply satisfied. Uh, sorry, the diligent says that the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. The sluggard says, I want it, I want it, I want it. But I won't do anything to get it. There's always a reason why we can't do it. There's always a lion in the road. There was a, it's all brambles. We can't get through there. He goes back to sleep. Are you like that this morning? Oh, I've got my education. You know, I've got all these, these studies to do. I've got to get down to it. Sorry, Lord. And the Lord says, all right. Then he comes knocking again. Knock, knock. I'm sorry, Lord. I've got this girlfriend. I've got time. I'm going to get married. All right, then. Knock, knock. Well, I've got a house. I've got to, I've got to get it all shaped up. I've got to do some work in it. All right, then. Knock, knock. Well, you, you don't realise how busy life is with all these kids. They've got to be taken to this game and doing this and that and that. Sorry, Lord. All right. Knock, knock. But you don't realise I've got to push on in my business. I've got to push in on my business. Knock, knock. Lord, they've given me three months. Lord, they've given me three months. Depart from me. I never knew you. Eternal life is to know and walk and enjoy Jesus. Going to church, saying you're a Christian, means nothing 
He says to people who say to him, I cast out demons in your name, I prophesy in your name. He says, I did not know you. Christianity is to know Jesus and to enjoy him. And we make excuses. Listen, Proverbs again. The laborer's appetite works for him. His hunger drives him on. If you're hungry for Jesus, it will drive you on to find time. Whether you're in education, you're getting a wife, a house, getting up in business, whatever it is. There's always a reason. And I can tell you because I've been through them all. There's always a reason. Right? We've been asked to a banquet and we make excuses. I've brought a field. I've got the yoke of oxen. I've got a new car. I've just got married. Always make, we're always making excuses. When he cannot prevail, it says in our reading, she, he puts his hand through the door. So suddenly she gets a glimpse, just a little glimpse of him. You know? She just pushes, he pushes his hands through the door and she, and she sees his hands. I wonder, sometimes you just get a little glimpse of the hands that went and were nailed to a tree for you. Sometimes when uh, truth does not appear to our ear, sometimes he just appeals to our heart. He gives us some little revelation of what he's done for us. Come on. Come on. He's appealing to your heart. There are people here this morning who say, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not a Christian. Can I tell you this morning, if you're not a Christian, he can open your heart. He wants to come into your life. And your life will not change. You may be, you're in disaster. I know some of you, you're in disaster. You're in a mess. It can only change if you bring Jesus into it. I'm not talking about church. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about letting Jesus into your life. And begin to create a relationship with him. Yeah. He can open your heart. He opened Lydia's heart on that day to Paul, that heathen lady. He opened the heart of the, the, the um, disciples on the Emmaus Road. He can open your heart. And if you're half, half asleep Christians, he can open your heart. It was just a glimpse of what he's done for you. Do you realize it? Do you understand it? Or have you got so used to it? Have you got so used to the Bible being read to you and the stories being told to you that they've become nothing to you? That the king of glory, he who was rich, worshipped by angels and archangels, he who created the heavens and the earth, he in a moment brought it all into being, who upholds it all by his wonderful power, became poor for your sake. He became poor for your sake. He didn't just, he left the glories of heaven and came here. He who knew no sin, he never ever had any acquaintance with sin, now becomes and lives here and dwells amongst sinners. For your sake he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. That's the one. Oh, we've heard the old stories many times. Yeah, scratch me belly. What's on telly today then, eh? It's all become so washes over us, doesn't it? It doesn't move our heart any longer. It doesn't stir us any longer. Listen, he can open your heart again this morning. At last, she opens the door. You know, she starts, sorry, she starts to move. She begins to pray. The Holy Spirit comes to help her. She begins to desire communion. 
The tears begin to flow. You know, there's yearnings and longings. But they're not enough. Yearnings and longings are not enough. Yearnings and longings to be with someone you love is not enough. They're a good sign. They're good to have. That's not enough. Possession is what you want. You know, begins to stir. Don't be satisfied with that. The, the sluggard, sluggard person, a lazy person, is satisfied with yearnings and desires and does nothing. They're good, but they're not good enough unless they motivate you into action. Don't be satisfied with the graces, the promises, the doctrines, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Do not be satisfied with any of them. Only be satisfied with Jesus. I last year read Tim Killer, Counterfeit Gods. I don't know if any of you have read it. Um, it's a little book talking what comes into our lives and becomes a counterfeit God. Um, I've been a Christian I don't know how many years. Too long. No, not too long. It can never be too long. Can it? A long time. I've led the two very good churches. Yet as I read that, I found God convicting me. I can read a book and say, well, is it wonderful? Is this book wonderful? Talk to Gary about it. But it hasn't touched me. This book touched me. Why has this counterfeit it been in your life? I tell you, one of them might have been. I'm not sure if it was. Church. What's church a counterfeit God for me? And I felt very stirred by God, you know. To, to, I don't settle for something less. Can church be a counterfeit? It can be. Anything that takes to his place is an idol. And I felt God stirring in me in it. Don't be satisfied with doctrines, the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, all that. You see, be seek to be it says in Philippines, but seek to know Christ and be found in him. We are called to fellowship with him. He loved me and gave himself for me. It always amazes me. I come from a South London slum. That God came down to a South London slum and broke into my life and spoke to me and saved me. And uh, The Apostle Paul does it again and again. He's amazed at what God, he was a persecutor. You should all be amazed. Whether it's a South London slum or Nobs Corner. It's still amazing that the God of the universe came for you. I wouldn't cross the road for some of you. Sorry. Do you know what I mean? He came from glory to hell itself for me. That always amazes me. It stuns me. It's hard to get on. You know, he came for me. Don't be satisfied with other things. And uh, she opens the door and he's gone. We have a very wrong think about Jesus. We have a habit of taking the bits we like and forgetting the bits we don't like. Let me give you an illustration of what I mean by this. There are many precious promises in Scripture that are often read on Sunday morning. But there's some massive warnings in Scripture that we don't read on Sunday morning. We pass over them. We pass over them very quickly. We like the bits we like, don't we? Isn't we think Jesus is always there. Oh, he's, got to, he's going to be there. We, I'm like the director of a great company. And when I'm, when I'm doing it right, I, can, I let Jesus in from the outer office. It's not true. It's not true. 
You know, we think it's like beer on tap. You just pull the lever when we want him. You try that with your wife. You try not speaking to her and being nice to her for a month and then try and see if she wants to be loving and kind. She doesn't! Relationship is something you continue along, doesn't it? You read the Psalms. David says, why do you hide your face? How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Jesus is not on tap like beer. He's not our servant. He's the almighty God who's called us into relationship. Oh yeah, we're, we're, we're busy, but when I've finished doing this, when I've done this, when I've seen the match, when I've done that, I'll see you. When she does that, she says, he's gone. He's gone! You, can go, to, you, go, to, you go to church, and it's the same, everybody's enjoying himself, but he's not there for you. You go and take the bread and wine, everybody else is enjoying it, but he's not there for you. He's not on tap. He's not on tap. The sermon was good this morning, but I didn't find him in it. I looked for him, but I did not find him. That might, that's very sad, isn't it? Doesn't that grieve you? I, she, I looked for him, I couldn't find him. There's a lady in the congregation in Eastbourne. She's a wonderful lady, but she's got very bad arthritis. I mean, it's crunching her body up. She's as usually as bright as can be. And I went to see her one day, and she was really sad. I'd never seen her like this over many years. She's a, I mean, she's a remarkable lady. And she said to me, he's not here. I cannot find him. I cannot find him. And that was explaining her depressed. She, she's gone through all the sickness. She could, was going for a time she could cough and break a rib. They, you know, all this sort of thing because it's all decaying. And she said, he's not here. Because all the Christians have gone in who didn't know anything about that sort of thing, who had no empathy with us. Oh no, the Lord is with you. He will bless you. I didn't say that at all. I turned it to the Psalms of David where he cries out to God, where are you? Where are you? He's not on tap. You're not the boss. He's the king of glory. And he wants to have fellowship with you. She begins to be uh, concerned. Am I being too long, Gary? Watch me. Uh, uh, she goes to the watchman at the walls. The watchman's like the minister. He goes, oh, don't see Joe. And it, she says, they beat me. <laughs> they beat me. Listen, even we ministers can beat you sometimes. We don't understand where you are. We've not been through what you've been through. Or the minister may not even be a believer. He may not even be a believer. And even when we're doing our best, we can still harm you, don't you? You don't want to go to the minister. You know, to go to Jesus. She calls for others to pray. Will you pray for me? She knows others that enjoy him. Oh, daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, if you find my love, will you tell him, tell him I'm praying with love? She says, I know you know the Lord. You enjoy God. Would you pray for me? So she begins to stir now. She goes to the minister. She gets others to pray for her. She knows they have fellowship, you know. And uh, she's, she's, she's now longing. She's sick with love. She wants his presence. And then she finds it. It's glorious. He takes me into his banquet hall and his banner over me is love. Have you read Song of Solomon? It's lovely. Just think of it sometimes as you and Jesus and another little choir on the side who chap in every now and again. He takes me into his banqueting house and his banner over me is love. Strengthening me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I'm sick with love. Longing for God is one thing. Now she realizes the reality 
of his presence. He's altogether lovely. That's what you're called for. You're called into fellowship with Lord Jesus Christ, with his son. That's what we should be enjoying. Yeah, don't be, I'm not going to put you off from longings, but don't settle for longings. You know? You know? Many Christians are quite happy to dwell. I, I don't know if you understand the tabernacle, but if you don't, there's three stages. In the outer court, you know, sometimes I, I went to a church recently, I, I, go, I go there quite often, and I, I did a little moan that they worship relates always around the creation. We never get to Jesus. Mountain streams, oh, I worship you for oceans. I don't mind worshiping for that, that's wonderful. But I want to get to Jesus on Sunday morning. And all they're singing is all about wonderful mountain streams and how the God is in creation. That is wonderful, but it's not good. That's the outer court. That's the outer court. So I'd moan at them, see, I want to get to Jesus. On Sunday morning when I come here, I want them to pick it up. They might start with creation, but I want to end up lost in wonder, love, and praise. I don't want to go out of there still singing about mountains and streams. Many people are quite happy with their mountains and streams. Others, they're more holy. They're happy with the word. We're people of the word. What a word, what a word, a word, a word, a word. That's the inner court. But I'm not supposed to be just living in the word. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's no good to me. It's a nice promise. It's a bit, I want to go further. John Piper says, Jesus loves me, this there is no doubt. For the Spirit pours it out. That's the reality of going into the inner court and knowing fellowship with him. And we are called not to live in the outer court of just out of the creation. We're not just to live in the word of God. We're to live in our reality with a living person who's risen from the dead and wants fellowship with you. And she finds him. Oh, I've lost myself now. It's in absolute joy and delight. Let me give you a couple of verses from the psalm, shall I? Listen to this. I noticed when I wrote these down how we take bits of it and don't see the other bits. Listen to this. this. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in your wife. Delight yourself in your husband. Delight yourself in the Lord. That's what we're called to. My soul pants for the living God. For the old God, for the living God. My soul thirsts, my flesh longs for living God. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. We are called into fellowship. Where are you this morning? Can I challenge you? Where are you this morning? The shorter Westminster Catechism says, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I'm not called to be a pastor, first of all. I'm not called to be an evangelist. I'm not called to anything first. The first call of my life is to be a lover of Jesus and to enjoy him. And in fact, Anything else takes that place, it is a counterfeit God. It may look very legitimate. Well, my dear, my real joy is the garden. My real joy is something else. Your second. She won't settle for that. And God does not settle for that. All these other things may be legitimate, but first of all, you're called to live in a relationship and enjoy our Lord Jesus Christ and know that he enjoys you. It's a, yeah, a, a, a relationship. Now, I'm nearly finished, right? What about you this morning? There's two sorts of people here. There's Christians this morning, and there's non-Christians. If you're a non-Christian, you need Jesus Christ. Whatever you think, the eternal God is your answer. Your problems, your failures, your miserable life will continue. Because you need God in your life.
It's like going out today and ignoring the sun. You cannot do it. And you cannot ignore there is a living God. Whatever our modern people tell us. And as Christians this morning, where are you this morning? Are you enjoying fellowship with him? Are you going through the road? He helps us with the songs. They sound good. We could be singing pop songs. You know? Are we having a relationship with him? I found him who my soul loves. And she then goes on. We didn't read this bit. She says, she describes him. <coughs> she describes what he's like. And she ends up, he's all together lovely. I am pushing, uh, pushing the uh, age a little bit, right? I was at a meeting recently where they were asking me to do something. And they said, you could do it for five years. I said, I don't plan to be here in five years. But never mind. What counts in my life? That I've evangelized? That I've built churches? That I've counseled people? That I've given money? Are there all sorts of things? Nothing counts. Anything that counts is fellowship with Jesus Christ. That I might know him and be found in him. Can I challenge you this morning? Are you a Martha or a Mary? Are you a Martha or a Mary? My love spoke to me and said, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. See, the winter has passed. The rains are over and gone. <clears throat> Flowers appear in the earth. The season of singers come. The cooling of the dove is heard in the land. God is calling you to have fellowship with him. Asleep, Jesus knocks. She makes her excuses. She opens, he's gone, and then she finds him. Sheer delight. Sheer delight. Sheer delight. That's what we're called to this morning. I'm going to finish with this one piece from an old Wesley hymn. Listen to this. This is lovely. <coughs> what in thy love poses I not? My star by night, my sun by day. My spring of life when parched with drought. My wine to cheer, my bread to stay. My strength, my shield, my safe of hold before the throne of God. What in thy love possess I not? My star by night, my sun by day. My spring of life when parched with drought. My wine to cheer, my bread to stay. My strength, my shield, my safe abode. My robe before the throne of God. You've been called into fellowship. With our Lord Jesus Christ. Where's John? Wherever he is, find yourself John. Let's pray. Let's, let's keep calm. We're going to... Let me just pray. Let's not lose it. I don't want to lose it. God is speaking to some of you this morning. I don't want to be here making a noise and making no effect. I believe God is speaking into hearts this morning. He's challenging you into a real relationship with him. Perhaps you've got sidetracked. Perhaps the pressures of life have come on. He's saying to you this morning, come on, let's get back to it. Just like in a marriage, if you drift apart, there comes a moment when you've got to, come on, let's get it right again. And he's saying to some of you, you've let other things crowd it out. They all sound legitimate, but they're not. There's nothing more important than your relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking to you this morning. 
He's talking to you this morning in your heart. Listen to him. Listen to him. Lest he say to you in the great day, depart from me. I never knew you. Eternal life is to know our Lord Jesus Christ. Not to have filled in a form, not to have given a nod, not to have gone four spiritual laws. It's to live in fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ.